Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Morning, church. Come on, who's excited to be at church today? Yeah, me too. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're glad that you're here. You just saw that video, See You at the Poll, is this coming Wednesday. If you're a student in the room, I want to highly encourage you to be there. I know it's going to require you to get up a little bit earlier, but be there uh, wherever your your, uh, classmates, wherever your school is hosting that, and uh, participate. Parents, come on, wake those kids up. Wake them up. I know uh, if you're like me, you're thinking, well, that requires uh, me to get up a little bit earlier. I think that uh, I think it's something we need to support. I think it's something we need to be about. I think it's important. And um, so join together this Wednesday morning at your school, wherever that is, and be a part of, uh, be a part of see you at the poll. Amen? 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 Amen. Amen. Um, one more. <laughs> Pure Adventure, you just saw it in the video, $95 per uh, pair. That's for fathers and sons. You can take more than one son, and so uh, if you're like me, I have two that I'm probably taking this year, and uh, you can, it's just a little bit extra to add on as many sons as you have if you want to take them all. But I would highly recommend this, that you do this and get registered ASAP. It's on October the 21st. It's going to be a great time. Um, Last year, I took our oldest boy and we had a fantastic time. It's a lot of fun, a lot of intentional conversation. It's just a really good, really good thing. So uh, if you haven't registered, get registered for you and your son or your sons as soon as possible. And then the last thing I'll make mention of is our iClub retreat that is coming up October the 27th through the 29th. They're going to be leaving that Friday evening. This is for our 5th through 8th grade ministry, all right? So if you didn't know that, right now during this service, our 5th through 8th graders are meeting for their own uh, their own lesson, their own teaching, their own discussion, all of those things. And on October 27th to 29th, they're going to be on their annual retreat. And it's only $125 for the entire retreat. That includes um, everything that's in, that, that goes along with that, which is, in my opinion, a, a really good, really good deal. And we're only requiring $50 deposit to reserve the spot. So I would encourage you to do that as soon as possible. And here's how you can be involved if you don't have a 5th through 8th grader, or even if you do and you want to participate. In the lobby today, a couple things I'll let you know of. In the lobby today, there are some envelopes hanging out right over here uh, as you go to walk out the doors. And you'll see them on your way out today. You can grab that, and whatever envelope you grab, whatever number's on there, you're saying, hey, I'm going to commit that much money to go to help somebody uh, get to the retreat. So you can do it that way and just put it in there, turn that envelope in, and that helps um, a student be able to go on the retreat. Or... If you want to take it a step further than that, you can actually go online on the giving tab and you can give $125. Or if you want to sponsor more than one, you can do that as well. And just select iClub Retreat from the drop-down menu. And every bit of that is going to go to helping those that may not be able to completely afford it uh, be able to get there on that retreat. We we don't ever want anybody to not be able to go because of finances or anything like that. And so uh, we're just thankful that you're so generous and your generosity as a church just blows our minds all the time, the things that we're able to do uh, for other people and ministry and all those things because of your generosity. So thank you in advance for that. Just wanted to make you aware. And then we're going to take a moment and pray for another church in our community. Today I want to pray for Mount Olive Baptist Church. So will you say a word of prayer with me? God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be in this room worshiping you uh, collectively as a whole. And Lord, I thank you that um, 
God, you are moving in the midst, I believe, of Mount Olive Baptist Church, even right now. God, I pray for their leadership, their pastor, their congregation. Lord, as they further your kingdom, as they build your kingdom, that you would uh, just be behind them, pushing them forward in everything that it is you've called them to do. We thank you for the opportunity we have to serve alongside them and so many other incredible churches in this community. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, we are jumping back in. We took a break last week celebrating seven years as a church. But we are jumping back into the book of Philippians together. And uh, today's going to be chapter 3, and I want to encourage you again, as I've said every week going through the series, be reading, just read a chapter a day as we're going through the series. If you haven't even started, jump in right now, um, and, and you won't regret it. I believe that the Lord wants to speak to you individually, even as you open the Word and you read the Word. And so today, uh, we're going to be in Philippians 3, and just to kind of catch us up to speed, um, we're, we're looking at different areas and situations in our life where we can experience joy, even in the midst of what we're walking through, or in different scenarios, different situations as we walk through life. So in week one, we talked about joy and suffering. We said that no matter what we face in life, we can still have joy. Do you believe that? No matter what you walk through, you can still have joy because you have the joy of the Lord. Uh, Week two, um, we talked about joy in serving. And we said that serving is one way that we become more like Jesus. And we looked at where Jesus even said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And I set an example for you. And he gets down and he washes his disciples' feet. And he says, if you want to be great, be a servant. If you want to be first, be a servant. This is what we're called to do. Followers serve. And so that's where we've been so far today. I've titled the message, Joy in Believing. Joy in Believing. And uh, we're going to go through this just section by section as we go through the third chapter of Philippians together. This is Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. He says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel... Of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Paul begins uh, chapter 3 with this important instruction. I believe it's an important instruction, and this is what he says. We'll have this phrase on the screen. He says, rejoice in the Lord. He says, further, brothers and sisters, writing to believers, and this is what he says. Let me give you some instruction. Rejoice in the Lord. In the Lord. Now, why is it such important instruction that we need to receive today? Well, I want to look at a couple of different uh, places in Scripture. One thing is what Jesus said. This is in John 15. Jesus has been has been talking and having a conversation and teaching his disciples right before he's about to go to the cross. He's about to be arrested, and and there's this conversation that John records. And as a part of that conversation, this is what he says in verse 11: "I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete." So Jesus is saying, I want my joy to be in you. That's why, we're, that's why I'm doing this, why I'm having this conversation. That's why I'm telling you these things, because I want my joy to be in you, and I want your joy to be complete. Well, how is our joy complete? I believe it's when his joy is what's in us. That it's not based on circumstances, it's based on, no, I've got the joy of the Lord inside of me. And then in Nehemiah, if you go back to the Old Testament, Nehemiah 8, the second part of verse 10 says this, this day is holy to the Lord, do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah is giving instruction, right? All the, the people have just, you know this about rebuilding the wall and all of this, and he says, hey, listen, 
Here's what you need to know. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't grieve about this situation. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And then Jesus would say, I want my joy to be in you. I want my joy to be in you so that your joy will be complete. And Paul would say, hey, if I can give you some instruction today, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. So many of us, I think, are living our lives without joy. I think there are many of us that we're going day to day through the motions and we just don't have the joy of the Lord. And I think some of us are searching for it. Some of us are desperate for it. Some of us don't even really know how to get it. We, we see somebody else who seems to have it, but we can't figure out how to get it. And so many of us are living our lives without joy. Maybe you need to be reminded today of how good the Lord has been to you. Come on, you're sitting in this room today because God's been good to you. God's been good to you. God's goodness is not dictated by your circumstance what you're walking through does not determine whether or not god is good god is good regardless of what you're walking through and he's good and he'll walk with you through whatever you're walking through but god is good i I think even practically sometimes uh sometimes for me when this is a struggle for me and i'm you know anybody ever felt overwhelmed or you felt like man there's just so much right now or i can't i can't handle all of this right now or whatever sometimes i just have to uh sometimes i just have to get out in nature Come on, does anybody enjoy nature? There's nothing like going for a good walk, being out in nature for a little period of time to remind you of God's goodness and everything that he's created and everything that he's done. And it's just this refreshing thing. And sometimes some of us just need to sit back or, or go sit on the porch or whatever and say, okay, God is good. Look at everything that God has done. God can handle this too. And I'm just going to rejoice in the Lord, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. God never intended for you to live your life as a Christian without joy. I think that many of us are living so worried that we can't experience the joy of the Lord. You've got so much worry inside of you that it crowds out the joy of the Lord in you. And you can't live out of this joy of the Lord because you're so worried and so fearful and all these things that we struggle with a lot of times. And I think some of us have even decided that we're mad at God because of something that we blamed him for that he didn't even cause. And so we're not experiencing his joy because we're more focused on our anger. And listen, I know you've, I know you've walked through something. I know, I know life is hard. I know all of these things. But man, there's something about the joy of the Lord. Jesus said, I want my joy to be in you. I want your joy to be complete. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And I don't know what it is for you, but what Paul wrote in Philippians 3.1 is reminding us today of the importance of rejoicing in the Lord. And he even says it this way. He says, at the end of that verse, he says, it's a safeguard for you. He says, it's no problem for me to write these things again. And this is a safeguard for you. And I was studying this word. I looked this word up, uh, the word safeguard in the original language. And just a little bit more depth to it. Here's what the word actually means. It's firm, secure from falling sure, steady, or immovable. And I would say it this way. This is how I would give you a picture of what this looks like in your life. It grounds you. The joy of the Lord inside of you, it, it keeps you grounded no matter what you walk through. It keeps your feet on the ground. Like, I'm not moved by this and that because I'm grounded, I'm secure, I'm steady, I'm immovable Because of the joy of the Lord. Here's what I believe, and we can say it this way. Rejoicing in the Lord keeps us secure, steady, and immovable. And then in the next few verses, 
Paul warns believers. And what's important for you to know is in those days there was a group who was trying to, they were trying to combine faith and works. Anybody ever tried to do this in your life? You tried to combine, like, it, it, was, it was this picture. It was, okay, yeah, you can receive Jesus and you have to do this. Like, okay, that's good, but you also have to do this to be right with God. You also, and in this context, you also have to be, you have to have this outward sign, right? You have to, you have to do certain things. You have to be circumcised. Like, okay, that's great. You believe in Jesus, but you also have to do something else in order to be right with God. And here's the reality. The gospel has always been a message of grace. And so we have to be careful not to fall into this trap of trying to earn salvation, trying to keep God happy. Trying to make sure, like, whew, I don't know, is God mad at me today? I, I, I've got to try to do something to make God happy with me. And God sent Jesus to take your place and pay your price, the price that you owe, that you should have paid for your sin, so that you could have freedom to follow him. It's this message of grace and we don't want to fall into this, um, this trap of trying to work to earn our salvation or earn God's approval. I was thinking, as I was preparing this, I was thinking about a personal story. I remember growing up, and this isn't even something I was taught, which there's, there are probably a lot of you in the room as well, that you have some thoughts or some theology that may not have even been taught to you um, by a person. Maybe it's something that you've kind of been counseled along the way, sometimes by, by the enemy's thoughts in your mind or or, well, this just seems like it might be right, and so it must be right. I, I was thinking back on uh, a time in my life where I had this mentality of uh, having to keep God happy or having to earn salvation or having to make sure everything was always lined up the way that it should be, even to the extent of this picture of if I'm driving down the road. Come on, and some of you are going to be able to relate with this. If I'm driving down the road... And while I'm driving down the road, somebody pulls out in front of me or does something crazy or whatever, and I cuss in that moment, and then I have a wreck and I die, I'm on my way to hell. Are we getting too real already? I had that mentality. And then I discovered something. Number one, that's not even in the Bible. <laughs> so we're believing something that's not even in the Word of God. And God's grace is so much bigger than that. God's grace. And this is a this is this is a this is a tension that we deal with a lot. And I want to go into this just a little bit deeper because I want to try to set some people free today. Is that all right if I try to set some people free today? I've had I've had conversations with people as a pastor that honestly have not bothered me that I had the conversation, but bothered me at the way the enemy has twisted things in people's minds. I've had conversations with people where they're going through something and their mentality is, and they'll say this out loud, their mentality is, well, I know I made a lot of bad decisions and God's just, I, I feel like this is God's punishment, you know, for the decisions that I have I've made in my life and I've just got to pay for all these decisions that I made in my life and when God's done punishing me, then everything's going to be okay. And I think to myself, and, and, and we've said this a hundred times, but if I have to pay for all of the wrong things that I've done, why did Jesus have to die for all of, for all of my sin? He died and paid it for me. 
so that I could receive forgiveness and receive the grace of God and walk in the grace of God and follow Jesus. And here's the, here's the tension that, that many of us have. It's that we go to extremes. Anybody ever been on the extreme end? And maybe you're sitting in this room tonight or this room today and you're you know you're gonna find yourself in one of these and i want to try to bring us all to where i believe the bible teaches there's one extreme that is boy i'm thankful for the grace of god and i just get to do whatever i want because the grace of god covers it and i'm just gonna live however i want i'm gonna have fun i'll see y'all in heaven and then there's another extreme that's like i got it you wake up at two o'clock in the morning you're like oh my gosh i didn't pray before I went to bed and I didn't ask God to forgive me of all the sins that I haven't even thought of, that I didn't even know that I did, and they're not covered by the blood because I didn't pray before I went to bed. And so you get up at two in the morning, you kneel beside your bed, and you're praying, and you're worried, and you're concerned, and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, like what if, oh man, what if Jesus comes back before I get this under the blood? What if Jesus comes back before I forget, forget? Have I hit everybody in the room? You wake up. <laughs> You wake up in the morning, you're looking around, make sure everybody's still there, right? You know, it's like, whoo, I didn't pray last night, got to make sure. Which, that's another message for another time. <laughs> we could go into that a little more. But a lot of times, we find ourselves in extreme. There's the extreme of the grace of God gives me permission to just do whatever I want. Paul even said, this is what Paul said, the same guy we're reading about today. He said, everything may be permissible, but not everything's beneficial. So sometimes you got to make the decision like, okay, this might not be wrong, but it's not going to benefit me. It's not going to benefit people around me. And you don't want to be on this extreme over here to where you're constantly, when you're in this extreme, you live bound up all the time and you can't even do the things that God has created you to do because you're so concerned if you're right with God all the time. Like, oh, what if I lied three days ago and I forgot about it? You know what I'm saying? And and there's this, and I don't even know where this comes from. Like I said, I, I wasn't even taught this. But if I was the enemy, I would try to convince me of this. Because I won't do either one, I'll live like a heathen because I've got the grace of God. Or I'll feel like I've got to constantly be trying to work and make sure things are right. And well, I need to be, you know, maybe I need to go back and do this. Maybe I need to pray. And oh, I forgot to pray for that. And I need to pray for that. Because if, if something happens to me right now, then I'm on my way to hell because I didn't pray for that. And you live so bound up that you can't even do anything that God's called you to do. You're not living free. And here's where, here's where I think the two meet, if the two can meet. It's that I have received the grace of God. The Bible would teach us that it's God who gives us the ability and gives us the desire to obey him and to follow him and to do all these things. So I receive the grace of God. I receive him working in my life so that he's given me the ability to walk this out. And as I'm receiving that, I'm walking and I'm following Jesus and I'm trusting in Jesus and I'm living free. I'm living free. I'm not living bound by, oh my goodness, worried all the time, like, is God mad at me? Is God upset with me? Did I not pray about something? Did I not ask for forgiveness for something? Did I, did I, now I'm not talking about, like, there are some things, listen, and you've been there, I've been there, where you're following Jesus, and you kind of wander off, and you kind of walk away, and you realize two years later, two months later, one week later, ten years later, like, I'm not on the path that I need to be on following Jesus, and so I need to repent. And here's what repent means. I'm going the wrong way, 
Now I'm going to go the right way. I've been doing this, and I need to turn around and know that's not what God has for my life, and I need to get my life back following Jesus, following Jesus. But man, I don't want to see us on the extremes of, well, I can just do whatever I want because the grace of God covers it. Well, I've got to, you know, make sure that everything, like, oh, I can't make any mistakes if I ever make a mistake, right? You're never going to be perfect. And you'll wear yourself out trying to be perfect. You, you are the righteousness of Christ Jesus. And you can't earn it, and you cannot be righteous on your own, and you cannot do enough right things, and you can't come to church 50 out of 52 Sundays and make God happy. It doesn't work. God doesn't operate that way. God wants you to receive. Check this out. This is so good news. This is why, this is why it's called good news. <laughs> good news news it's because god sent jesus to do everything that needed to be done so that you could be forgiven and you can have right relationship with your heavenly father and all you have to do is receive it receive it and surrender your life and say i'm no longer living for me i'm living to follow jesus and i'm going to listen for the voice of the holy spirit and i'm going to be in god's word and i'm going to i'm going to walk this thing out because i have received the grace of god in my life and i don't have to be on this extreme and i don't have to be on this extreme no i'm walking with jesus I'm walking with him every single day. I'm walking by the Holy Spirit. I think I want to, I'll, I'll make a couple of direct statements that hopefully don't make you too mad. And then we'll go on to the next few verses. I think, I think, if we use grace as an excuse to sin, I would question if we're saved. If we see grace as an opportunity to be able to do what we want because it's covered, I would wonder, have we really surrendered to Jesus? Have we really surrendered to Jesus? And if we feel like we have to be perfect to keep God happy, I would question what voice you're listening to. If you feel like you have to earn it, I would question, what voice are you listening to? Are you listening to the voice of your Heavenly Father? Or are you listening to the condemning voice of the enemy or your own thoughts? That says, oh no, you're not good enough. Well, I got a newsflash. None of us are. That's why it's called grace. <laughs> That's why it's mercy. Is we don't get what we do deserve and we get what we don't deserve. And thank God that Jesus did everything that needed to be done. For us to receive salvation and receive forgiveness and receive eternal life and all these things that come with that. And then Paul lists, we saw it, he lists all the reasons that he had to be confident in the flesh. And he says, we don't need to be confident in our flesh and our own abilities and the things that we can do to try to make it happen or make it right or whatever we feel is right. He says, if, if, if anybody has reason to be confident, if that's what God's looking for, then I've got it figured out. But that's not what God's looking for. He says, I, I, I did all the things. But that wasn't what God was looking for. We talked a little bit about spiritual disciplines last week. Spiritual disciplines don't make us right with God. Spiritual disciplines strengthen our relationship with God that we receive by placing our faith and trust in Jesus. You can't earn it. You receive it. And then you work it out. You receive it, and then you work it out. You receive salvation, you receive forgiveness, and then you work it out. 
Look at verses 7 through 11. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And Paul says that all things that he used to do that he thought was important, that he considers them a loss when it comes to knowing Jesus. That everything that I thought I was doing to earn it and do all the right things and all this, like, I consider that loss compared to knowing Jesus. Can I give you a picture of what the word lost means in the original language? It's a bad deal, or I really like this one, an unsuccessful business transaction. Anybody ever had an unsuccessful business transaction? You know what I think Paul's getting at? He says, I tried doing it this way, and I found out God doesn't do business like that. And now I consider all of that loss. It was an unsuccessful business transaction that I was trying to earn and trying to do everything a certain way to keep all of this just right. And I consider that loss compared to knowing Jesus. To knowing Jesus. In other words, I've had a revelation that it's really about knowing God. It's about knowing Jesus and receiving him into my life. He even takes it a step further. He says everything is lost compared to knowing Jesus, but he, he, he even refers to it. He says everything else is garbage. And can I just tell you, this is a polite translation of this word because you can actually translate this word as dung. He says everything, I consider it all dung compared to gaining Christ, knowing Christ. Can I just put it in my translation and try not to offend you? He says all this is crap. compared to knowing Jesus. I just want to know him. I want to follow him. I want to be with him. And I think at the end of this, this is what he's getting at. He's, it's, I just want to know Jesus and become like him. I want to know Jesus and become like him. I want to know Jesus and become like him. What would our lives look like if the goal was I want to know Jesus and become like him. When you wake up tomorrow, what's the goal? I want to know Jesus and become more like him today. When I go to work, I want to know Jesus. I want to become more like him. I want to be more like him in my workplace. I want to be more like him in my marriage. I want to be more like him when it comes to parenting. I want to be more like him everywhere that I go. I want to know him and I want to be more like him. Even if it involves suffering, I want to be like Jesus. If it involves dying to myself, I want to be like Jesus. If it involves laying down some of my own fleshly desires, I just want to be like Jesus. I want to be like him. I'm submitted to the process that God is taking me on this spiritual journey where God is sanctifying me and working things out in me and making me more like Jesus. And then verses 12 through 14 says this, now that I have, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
Paul says, I have not arrived. I have been telling you some things, and this is what I have been telling you, but don't get it twisted. I'm not there yet. I haven't, come on, is anybody thankful? Because none of us are there yet. We do not have it figured out. We have not reached the goal. We are not at the end. Like, we have not figured it out yet. And it's good news for us that he even says, I have not obtained it. But he does say, he does say, there's one thing I do. I'm not there yet, but there's one thing I do. And the one thing is he presses on, but then he tells us how he presses on. The one thing that I do is I'm going to press on toward the prize. I'm going to press on toward what I know God has called me to. And here's how I do it. And he lists two things, and we're going to put these on the screen. He says, forget what's behind, strain toward what is ahead. Forget what's behind and strain toward what is ahead. Forget what's behind and strain toward what is ahead. To which, let's talk about forgetting what's behind. If you're like me, you would read that and think, how can I forget what's behind? I made the mistakes. I was the one who was sinning. I was the one who did it. I was the one who, who went there. I was the one who said that. I was the one, you know. And here's, <laughs> here's the great thing about all of us. We're all on the same playing field. Every one of us has a behind. You like that? <laughs> Every one of us has a past. <laughs> now you're distracted. Every one of us, <laughs> forget what's behind. Every one of us has a behind. Everybody. And Paul says, here's what, Paul had one. You know what, do you, if you read your Bible, Paul, the same guy who was killing Christians, was on his way to kill some more and on his way there, Jesus gets a hold of him, and he's blinded, and he sends him to this guy's house, and then he sends another guy to him, and he prays for him, and the scales fall off of his eyes. And Paul says, I'm serving Jesus. And from that moment on, he was all about the gospel. i got to tell more people about Jesus. But how many of you know Paul still remembered all the bad things and all the people that he watched die? Because he was trying to prove a point. He had a past. But he said, here's what I've learned to do. Here's what I have to do. I press on. And here's the first, here's the first thing I do to be able to press on. I forget what's behind me. If you, if you study the, the word for forget, um, just talk about this for a minute. It can also be, be translated, and it is in, in some other areas or some translations, neglect. Neglect. I forget, because we would think, how do I forget what's behind? Like, how do I actually forget in my mind what's behind? It's, it can be translated as the word neglect. In other words, I neglect what's behind me. When the enemy keeps trying to bring up what's behind me, I stop giving attention to that. I'm no longer going to be held back by what's behind me. I have chosen to neglect and stop giving attention to what's behind me. And this is the same word that's used in James 1. Many of us are familiar with these verses. I want to read 22 through 24, where James says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately, here's our word, forgets what he looks like. In other words, that person is somebody who neglects what their life is supposed to look like. They look at themselves in the mirror and they know what God's word says, and they have heard it, and they have read it, but they are not doing it, and they are neglecting what their life is supposed to look like. Same word. Same word. You have to learn how to neglect what's behind you, because how many of you know the enemy 
will try to bring up what's behind you. Oh, you can't do that for God because of what you did in the past. Oh, if they knew what happened in your life before you got to this point, they would not have you doing what they have you doing. No, you, and you have to learn how to, to stop that. And here's the, here's the second thing. So neglecting what's behind. Here's the second thing. Stretching towards what's ahead. Straining toward what's ahead. Um, one word, word study of the definition of the word strain is this, stretching intensely towards. Stretching intensely towards. So Paul says, I press on, and here's how I do it. I, I, I stop giving attention to this. I will no longer, come on, this is for somebody here today. I will no longer be tormented by the enemy bringing up my past. I'm serving God. I am no longer going to be held back and just standing here because of what is behind me. I'm not going to let that control me anymore. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stretch intensely toward what God has for me in the future. Now, I want you to get this picture. How many of you know that it's easy, if I'm standing like this right here, it's easy for somebody to come up behind me and pull me backward. But it's a whole other thing when I've got this posture. That I'm stretching and I am intensely, intentionally moving toward what God has for me in the future and the direction that he has for my life. And if you want to come up behind me and try to pull me back right here, it's going to be a whole lot harder for you to pull me backward if I'm stretching intensely toward what God has for my life. You can't pull me back here. And... When you are more focused on what you are straining toward, you just have a tendency to not pay as much attention to what's back here because I'm not worried about what's back here. There's too much for me, for God, too much that God has for me to do moving forward. I told you about this conversation I had with one of our overseers, and we were up visiting them over the summer, and, and I asked him, and he'd had the wreck, and and this has been several years back, and I said, do you ever get nervous? Do you ever get fearful whenever you're driving? You don't want to, you know, it's like when you're, you know, coming to an intersection, when you're driving real close to cars. And he said, no. He said, I don't have time to be worried about what happened. God's got too much for me to do that I need to be focused on, that I don't have time or the mental capacity to focus on that. And Paul says, I'm pressing on. Here's, I'm not there yet. But I'm pressing on, and here's how I do it. I have stopped giving attention to what the enemy wants to keep trying to bring up from my past. And I have taken the posture and the position of stretching intensely forward into what God has for me in the future. And that's how I press on. That's how I press on. That's how I keep going. And can I tell you today, you can do the same thing. Some of us need to stand up today, and when you leave this service, you need to say, no more. No more. I, fear is not going to hold me back. Insecurity is not going to hold me back. My past is not going to hold me back. I have surrendered my life to Jesus, and I am a child of God, and I am moving forward into what God has for me. And every time the enemy tries to bring up something from your past, you just need to remind him of where you're going. Oh, you want to bring that up? Oh, you want to you talk about the stuff that's covered by the blood of Jesus? Oh, you want to talk about the stuff that, that I used to do, but now I'm actually moving into this? Oh, you must just be fearful of where God's taking me 
So you keep trying to hold me back and keep me here. But I will no longer be kept here. I'm moving into what God has for my life. And I am neglecting this. And I am intensely stretching and straining toward what God has for me in the future. And I will not look back. And I will not be stopped. And I will not be fearful. And I will not be, I have forgotten. I am choosing to neglect and stop giving attention to all this back here. And I am moving forward. I think we could paraphrase these statements this way. Now that I'm saved, I'm not paying attention to what's in my past. But I'm intensely focused on where God is taking me now. Now that I'm saved, I'm not paying attention to what's in my past, but I'm intensely focused on where God is taking me now. And look at verses 15 and 16. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. I love what Paul says here because here's, <laughs> here's how I read it. Here's how it translates in my mind. If any of you don't agree with what I'm telling you and how I'm trying to get you to see things as a believer, God's going to make it clear to you. If you disagree with something that I'm saying, God's going to make it clear to you. In my, in my mind, it's this picture of like the discipleship process or something going on and, and you're having conversations with people and, and you know it's like, man, you're trying to lead this person along and they're not quite agreeing with what you are and you get home and you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray and God's going to make it clear. I've tried to tell them, and I've tried to communicate it or whatever, and someone will pray, and here's what God's going to do. God's going to make it clear. You're going to wake up tomorrow. Come on, somebody. You need to pray for somebody in your life right now that they would just wake up tomorrow and be like, whew, I get it. <laughs> I got it. It makes sense. That is right. That is true. And he says this. As mature believers, we should view life, live for God this way. It says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. In light of everything that he's just been talking about, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm not going to have confidence in my flesh. I'm going to have confidence in the Holy Spirit working in me. I'm going to know Jesus, and I'm going to become more like him. And I'm forgetting what's in the past, and I'm moving into what God has for my life now. And he says, listen, this is the way we should view things. This is the direction we should be going. This is the mindset. This is the perspective that we should have in our walk with the Lord. And then chapter 3 ends this way, the last few verses. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, this is good news. Who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Worship team, you can come, come back and help me. In verse 17, if you look back at it, I think we're instructed to, instructed to follow the example of and pay attention to people who are living the way that Paul describes. If you look at it, he says, join together in following my example. Just as you have us as a model, you've been watching us, you've been seeing how we live, you've, you've been hearing from us, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. I want to read you something that, that I read. It's a, a commentary on verse 17. And listen to this. It says, we will never ascend to an excellent life if we're constantly hanging out with get-by people. 
who are thinking in a mediocre way. We can't be excellent if we follow the world's ways. I'm going to read that again. We can't be excellent if we follow the world's ways. Excellent people, spiritually minded people who want to excel in their walk with God, hang around excellent people. They spend time with others sharing that same goal. I wonder if there are some of us who desire to live for the Lord and be led by the Holy Spirit. But the people we surround ourselves with keep pulling us in another direction. Paul said, keep your eyes on the people who are living the way that we have just described to you. That's who you need to keep your eyes on. And I wonder how many of us, we really do have a desire to live for God. We really do want to live for the Lord. We really do want to surrender our lives. But the people we constantly surround ourselves with pull us back into where we don't want to be. They pull us away from the direction that we know we're supposed to be headed. And it kind of reminds me of something else that Paul wrote when he was writing to believers in Corinth. He said, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And I love this. Look at what he says. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. (laughs) He says, listen, don't, don't get it twisted. The people you spend the most time with, they will influence you more than you think they will. Bad company will corrupt good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. Come back to your senses. Come on, that's a word for somebody today that I feel like the Holy Spirit is just speaking that simple thing to you. He says, hey, will you just, will you just come, back, come back to your senses and stop sinning? Come back to what you know is right and stop sinning. Surrender your life to Jesus and stop sinning. Surrender your life to Jesus. Keep your eyes on the things that you need to be looking at. And as Paul would say, be an example for you, people who are living in this way, surround yourself with those people. And then Paul also describes there at the end what it looks like when we live as enemies of the cross instead of living for the Lord. And he listed a few things. He said their destiny is destruction, being completely cut off from God. Their God is their stomach. In other words, they allow their fleshly appetite to lead them. Their glory is in their shame. They're known for the shameful things they do. And their mind is set on earthly things. In other words, they only think about this life and they don't think about eternal life. They only think about now. And they're not really thinking about the future. And we're not called to live that way. We're called to live surrendered to Jesus. Following him. Pressing on. Come on, some of you, you feel like you need to press on today. Stop paying attention to what the enemy keeps trying to bring up in your life. And change your posture. Lean into where God is taking you and keep moving forward. Keep pressing on. Keep straining toward what God has for you. Our minds as followers of Jesus should be set on God's word and his ways. And one day our earthly bodies will be transformed to be like Jesus' glorious body.
here in just a moment, um, we're going to sing a song, and you guys can begin to play. We're going to sing this song together, and we'll pray, and we'll conclude the service. But I'm excited because we also, today, we had the opportunity of celebrating with some people who are being water baptized. And it's a big deal. It's a big deal. In fact, if you're here and you're, you're prepared to be water baptized and, and all of that, will you come down here and you can just stand back here? And here's what, here's what I believe baptism is. Baptism is, it's the outward expression and evidence of something that has already happened inside of your life. That you've already surrendered your life to Jesus and you want the world to know. You've surrendered your life to Jesus and you want everybody to know when you go into the water, the old person is staying in the water and you come out new. That's why on these shirts that we have made, it's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The old is gone and the new has come. You're made new. You're made new. This is, this is the outward um, expression of what's happened inside of you. Come on, aren't you thankful? I know there are many of you in this room today who have been water baptized and you followed Jesus in that way. If you have not, listen to me, we do this fairly regularly. If you have not, I would encourage you to do it. If you haven't done it yet, I would encourage you to do it. To take the next step in following Jesus and go public with your faith. Amen? Do we have, is there anybody, do we have cameras or anything? We good? All right. I think I have, there it is. Okay. All right, so we asked everybody that, that, um, that signed up to be baptized, be water baptized. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> we asked everybody who was, who was saying, I want to be water baptized, what the reason was. Because I think that it's important for you to understand why you're doing what you're doing. And so um, the first one we have is Ray Lynn. Come on. If you'll just sit right here and you can face them out that way. This is what this is what Raylynn said. She said the reason she wants to be water baptized is to follow in Jesus' path. Come on, somebody. That's important. Thank you. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> All right. You want to hold your nose? There you go. All right. Have you asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life? All right. By your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, it's my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Congratulations. All right, who's next? Peyton. Come on, Peyton. As he's getting into it, this is what Peyton said. He said, he knows and believes that Jesus died for his sins and rose again and is the Lord of his life. Come on. That's awesome. Thank you. All right. So you've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? Yes, sir. All right. 
or your profession of faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, it's my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Congratulations, brother. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Marin? Oh, Marion. Is that right, Marion? All right. She said she has expressed that she wants to give her heart to Jesus and reserve her place with him in heaven. Yeah. Hop in there. It is warm. All right. So you've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? All right, by your profession of faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, it's my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. All right, Mary? Yes. <laughs> Hop on in. She said she is rededicating her life and just wants to follow up through a believer's baptism. That's awesome. All right. Thank you. I'm scared. And get out freezing. All right. So you've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? All right. It's my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Congratulations. Ashley, all right. And Ashley, why did you decide to get baptized today? profession of faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. It's my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Congratulations. All right. Will you guys stand? We're going to end by worshiping together. Come on, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> We're going to conclude this service just with a time of prayer. Um, but before we do, I just want to share. There's, I felt like there was someone in the room that when, when Pastor Gabe was sharing about mistakes that you've made, it wasn't the mistakes that you've made. It was things that have been done to you and to someone that you love that you've been holding on to and you're struggling to forget. And, and I wonder with Paul that it wasn't just his own past mistakes. It was the ridicule he faced even along the way that he had to continue to forget. And I don't know who it is in the room, but I could just see this visual of like you just completely weighed down with the things that have been said or done to you 
and then there's someone that it's been done to someone you love and you're struggling to move forward. And, and I still, the visual came to me of our son playing football. And, and it's been funny for him to go on this journey because and to play football this season because he'll be like, you know what he said to me? Do you know what he did to me? But I, I think about it. He can't play the game if he's focused on what just happened. He's got to get down and get ready to go again. You can't embrace what God has for you next because you're busy replaying what already happened to you or happened to that person that you loved. And I, I don't know sports, but I know they constantly tell the boys, get down, get ready. You can't get them down. You're going to be taken down if you don't get down. And some of you in here, you need to get down. You need to lay it down at his feet. The things that have happened to you, God sees that your heart is hurting, but you're missing out on the new that God has for you. The next play, if you want to say, if you want to, if you can relate to football, but, but allow yourself just to lay that down because it's not helping you move forward into what God has next and you holding it for the person that you love because it makes you angry. It's hurting you in the process. So I want to encourage you just to lay it down in his feet. And, and as the prayer team comes forward, maybe you have someone agree with you because we're going to sing this song. And Jesus isn't our healer just for physical things. It's even the brokenness that we feel. He's, he's our healer because he sees those moments when those ugly words were said to you or that thing that your child did or that thing that your spouse did or that thing that has left you undone and broken. Jesus is the healer of that too. So whatever that looks for you to get down. I know in football, you know, like they, they tell them like, ben, I'm, I'm not even going to do it well. These people on the front row, no, I, I, I don't do it well. But, but seriously, Get down, get down on your knees in prayer and lay it down at his feet. Because what your dad did to you, what, what that person that you thought would never betray you did to you, it's not helping you move into the next play. And I watched those boys yesterday as mistakes were made at times or, or something was done and they had to choose to re-engage again. And just focus on the ball and the, the person they're going for. We get to choose the same. And the message version of the scripture in Philippians, it says, I'm running and I'm not turning back. And just like that old song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And some of you love Jesus, but your heart's so hard right now, you can't even see what Jesus has for you. So I want to encourage you, as we sing this last song, just lean in and let him love on you and heal you today. Amen. Come on, do you receive that? Yeah. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for just everything that you're doing in our lives. Lord, in this next song, we give you permission to speak to us and convict us change things in us. Lord, I pray that as we worship you, that we would hear your voice, that we would sense your leading. And God, I pray if there's anybody here in this room that needs prayer for anything in their life, 
When we begin to sing this song, I pray that you would draw them for prayer, that they would come down and find somebody to pray for them. We ask all of it in Jesus' name. Amen.